This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. You too, brother. So we're going to dive right into topic in just a moment, but I want to uh, let everybody know to go to practicalshepherding.com for any resources and content. There's over 100 podcast episodes and articles and all kinds of things. You'll see our books that you can you can buy in our online bookstore at a discounted price. So go to our website. It's the best way to, to utilize the resources that we offer. Also, want to say thank you to those of you who financially support the ministry. And if you would like to do that, you can go to the donate page and pay, and you can give a donation online uh, to help us not only just fund the ministry and just in general, this podcast and so many other things uh, as the ministry grows. A lot of exciting things happening. If you'd like to be a part of that, you could, that's one of the great ways to support the work that that we are doing here. Uh, Jim, we want to uh, we want to talk today about how do we how do we evaluate the fruitfulness of a ministry. This is this is something that. Every pastor, I would say, without exception, is asking himself at different times. Now, he may have different metrics on how he measures that, but it is safe to say a pastor who gives his life to the ministry is all in, you know, port, puts his family in that position to, to deal with all the things that he deals with. Like, he wants his life to count. He wants to live a purposeful life. I've mm. learned every pastor I've ever met, they're not doing it because they're getting rich doing it, and they're not doing it because of fame and fortune. They're doing it by the call of God, and and, mm. and that that's that's what drives us. And we want to know that we're actually being effective, and we want to know that we're actually what we do matters. And mm. I think it's very easy to get caught up in a lot of the worldly ways things are measured and impact, and pastors get caught up in that, as you well know. So we want to talk about that. How, how do we? How do we? measure our ministries? How do we determine if there is genuine fruit, evidences of grace in our in our ministries? And uh, how do we evaluate it? And how do we find encouragement in that? And when we don't see it, how do we maybe address that? So we want to talk about these different things. So Jim, will you set it up for us uh, just from a biblical perspective? Yeah, Brian, there is uh, there are several, uh, some biblical principles and some explicit texts. I mean, one of the things I think about, you know, Paul's statement to Timothy is, you know, let your progress be made known to all, you know, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Uh, so that, you know, there is some expectation in that, that you are at a certain place and you want to be, you, you want to, you want to be able to grow in that. And, I th- and so there's an old business saying, it says something like you cannot manage what you cannot measure. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have some way of being able to look at it and say, I was here or we were here, and we're now we're now over there. We're, you know, wherever it is, and is that a forward, a lateral? Is it a backward? Are we growing? Are we regressing? Uh, and what are those? I think we need to ask ourselves. You know, so what are the things that you want to look at? The most obvious thing in people's minds. I think you you. <laughs> For a, a contemporary American pastor, generally has three things they're trying to measure, and one of them is how many people are maybe four things. So, how many people are coming? How many conversions slash baptisms uh, are, are you seeing? How much money are you taking yep. in? Yep. And then maybe, do you have a building program? You know, uh, do you have to expand? You know, do you you know? So that's that's the sign of excitement and growth. You can't hold all the people. You how know? much space so, do you have? How yeah. much space yeah. do you have? So, uh, what bud, butts budgets buildings? You know, some yep. people talk about baptisms, baptisms, butts budgets buildings. You know, yeah, that's a mouthful. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with a rap or something <laughs> with that. But 
Um, you know, so those kinds of things. And in some cases, you can look at that and go, not all of those things are, are, are wrong, uh, but are, the, are these the primary ways? You know, so Paul talks about, uh, he, Paul talks about those who are weak, those who are strong. John addresses those who are children, those who are fathers. Those, that's, those, are growth, those are growth things. You want to go from weak to strong, to, from childhood to, to adulthood. Uh, so those are measuring aspects to a certain degree. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with how many people are there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Bible itself, however, the Bible itself does at times mention numbers. Uh, I, I, you know, and I think part of that is, is to be uh, an encouragement. That, you know, so whether it was, you know, how many people got baptized on the day of Pentecost? We actually know that, right? Because the Holy Spirit tells us. Yeah, right. Uh, how did the church grow in the next mu- a few months and years? Well, you know, we're, we're told that. Luke, Luke records that for us. Luke records for us at times that there were multitudes of men and women, you know, who believed. We know how many people, you know, sat down to have a meal with Jesus, uh, you know, uh, that Jesus fed, or how many men were there, you know. So we 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 want to say on the one hand, particularly if we're a smaller church, sometimes we want to say numbers don't matter. We're not talking about numbers here, right? We still feel the pressure of it, you know, and, and pastors give each other, whether we intend to or not, at some point the question's almost going to come, well, how long have you been there? So how many people are there on a Sunday? You know, how many members do you have? Or how many people come to church? You know, and so, you know, you're tempted to look at it, you know, in that way. So I think what we want to ask is that I think I think we can present a biblical case as some people have said, living things grow, and that how do we, we're looking for tangible signs of the blessing of God, the help of God, the work of the Holy Spirit. What are the things that you look at that either encourage you or that discourage you? So Mm -hmm. are are butts, budgets, baptisms, and buildings, all of those things I want to look at and go, who doesn't want to have more people? Who doesn't want to have more sure, baptisms? That's right. that's right. Who doesn't want to see our potential to serve others with our finances grow? And it is a tremendously exciting. I've been involved in several building projects from you know, where we initially were to where we are now. Uh, all of those things have been a tremendous source of yeah. encouragement, but I, I would not want to impose those by way of grief or guilt or, or pride, you know, on the one hand, or as a source of pride and boasting on the other. But how do we look at that rightly, Brian? How did you look at that? How do you encourage the men that call you and uh, ask you to say, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't think the Lord's not, Lord doesn't appear to be doing anything. What do they, what do you mean by that? Uh, the church just isn't growing. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. What are your measures and how do you, and then how do you manage what you measure? Yeah, so I think that the this is the time I've been telling guys this quite a bit recently, and the year after the pandemic started and all the ramifications of that, um, I think we are we have hit a time where the measuring of the fruitfulness and the impact of our ministry around numbers needs to be uh, it needs to be as least important as it's ever been in my mm. opinion. So mm-hmm. I, I also want to go, I want to backtrack and you, you said a lot of excellent things. I want to backtrack to, I find that the, the infatuation with numbers is, by the way, it's predominantly an American thing is what I've, I've, I've noticed. It seems it, to it be. It seems to be uh, been, and I trace it back actually to the church growth movement of the nineties. Mm. And so many of pastors who are now pastoring, uh, 
and maybe not as young guys, but guys middle aged and older pastors, we we grew up and were in churches in this world, and I think it just has had a massive impact on the way that we're told we're supposed to measure our our church fruitfulness. Let me say that these those four areas that you mentioned are ways are things to make note of, are things to evaluate in our churches. But I have found there there's way too much focus on those things because they don't I think they often don't measure maybe other than baptisms, depending on how you do baptisms, but there's a, certainly a spiritual component there. But but money and how many people are there and uh and and, and your building for that matter, like those things can be very unspiritual ways to evaluate your ministry. So I want to put a caution up even more so than ever around just using numbers as the as the the measuring tool to figure out whether there's fruitfulness in mm. in our ministries though I think it does matter. Having said that, if we're not going to measure it with real tangible things like that, like numbers, how do we measure it? Well, I, I think we have to find new tools to measure if we're going to measure spiritual growth. Mm. If we're going to measure the spirit's work. So the spirit could be at work and could increase the numbers of people. The spirit can be at work, and it's seen in the in the the amount of money that comes into the church. But you're talking to somebody who who always you know never had a large number of people I was pastoring, and part of that reality is that we were sending a lot of people out all the time. Mm. Um, we we never had a lot of money, but a, a big part of that is because of where we were, where I was pastoring, where our church was located, and and the the kinds of profession that a lot of the people in our church had. Like all those things matter. And I think when you take a lot of pastors you get discouraged around this and they pastor in rural areas where there's not an, an affluent area that, that right. there's not a lot of people with a lot of money that come to their church. Well, you know, that there's just you're not going to have this massive amount of, of funds to work with. And that guy often feels very inferior in measuring. So we have to figure out how to measure the fruitfulness of our ministries. I'll say it like this, like God does. Mm. God's not impressed with how much money we have. He's not impressed with how many butts are in the pew. Yeah. He he he's evaluating our ministries. I'm totally convinced around the spiritual fruit. And there are I mean it's why Paul writes to the Corinthians in chapter 1. He starts by saying, "I see all kinds of evidences of grace in you." Right. And then he hammers them the rest of the letter of all the way, you know, but he's like, "But I think that's the metric. How do we identify evidences of grace?" And truly embrace that as the measuring stick, because guys will give verbal, but then they just get so caught up, and you know, because of COVID, half the church is gathering now right. that, was, that was there before. I don't care who you, that just gets discouraging. But the way around that is you've got to have it a spiritual way to measure the fruit of your ministry. And Brian, you've said a lot of interesting things, and I, I think you know, even uh, I think when you try to compare, you know, even like oh, this is one of the dangers, right? We compare. We compare ourselves to other pastors. You know that that guy down the street. You know, um, in, in particularly the way I, I, you know, my my ecclesiastical background. You know, which is which focuses a lot on you know we're, we're going to be faithful and we're going to be bare bones and all of that. Oh yeah, well we could have people come if we you know, I dressed up like a clown and and we had <laughs> would rap that happen? If we would did, that actually happen? No, not if I dressed up. <laughs> Maybe if I wore spandex, but you know, but no, no that'd, but be, you, that'd be no, but to you know, but you know, you, but you would look at it and go, oh yeah, well they water things down and you know that's yeah. why they grow. That's why this church is big and right. And that's not always the case, you know. But but we we can either we can resent the growth of other churches, we can be jealous of the growth of other churches, 
we can grow sour and cynical and suspicious and all of those things. Which, but at the end of the day, Brian, I think you're right. You know, we want to live our lives before the face of God. We want to hear, and I'm not original in this, it's been said hundreds of times, it's not well done, good and successful servant, or well done, good and prosperous servant. It's well done, good and faithful servant. And I, I do believe the last day is going to look different than a lot of people think it's going to look. Yeah. I think, you know, you get this idea that, I remember one of my professors in Bible college saying, you know, this is 40 years ago now almost, you know, but saying the, you know, you, we have this idea that on the last day, you know, oh, there's Spurgeon and there's Jonathan Edwards and they're all up there on the platform, you know, like a T4G or something like that. And that then the rewards and they, and they said, you can imagine he gave the scenario of the Lord, you know, this had this great reward to give and everybody's looking at Spurgeon or Edwards or Piper or yeah. MacArthur, whoever it is. And he bypasses all of them. And there's this little old lady, you know, with the almost, you know, the camel knees from praying, uh, who helped, you know, she, she cleaned the bathrooms at the church, but she was a prayer warrior. Yeah. And he lavishes his reward, not upon the guys who wrote all the books and had the big churches and, you know, had tens of thousands of converts or whatever else. But, you know, because God does measure, you know, who is greater, you know, he who sits at the table or he who serves? And the answer is, well, he sits at the table, right? And Jesus said, yet I am among you as he who serves. And there's nobody greater, you know, yeah. than the one who serves. And so, for instance, if if, if you have grown... If you and your church has grown in a heart of service, is that great in the eyes of Christ? Is that greater? Is that greater <laughs> in the eyes of Christ than if, oh, you know, now our church is being known? We're the go-to church, or we're the we're the one that you know that that everybody's looking at as a model right now. And the, and the way that we're geared, and again, part of this is American culture, and part of this is just humanity. If a guy's growing a large church, he's going to get noticed, and 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 yeah. people are going to ask, and and they're going to try to find some secret, some what, what are you doing, some thing that we can replicate. But I was thinking of a text, Brian, in this regard. You know, this is this is a church growth text in Acts chapter nine, and uh, part of this, part of the reason of what's being said here, I think, is that you know Saul had been converted, so he wasn't wreaking havoc like he was. Yeah. But it says, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, the first 31 of Acts 9, uh, had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now, there is, there is so it's an interesting, so there is a growth, there is a conversion and a growth, there were more people there. Yeah. But it talks about this, that they had peace, they were edified, they walked in the fear of the Lord. They knew the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Who don't want to pastor a church like that? Right. You know. Right. Now you might want to say, okay, if that's happening, then yeah, they're probably the church. The church may well grow. You know, uh, if if that's going on. But those are measurable things. There was greater peace than there had been before. Yeah. There was greater unity than there had been before. There was greater edification. That is, people were being built up. They knew more of their Bible. They knew more of God. They knew more of Christ. And it wasn't just an intellectual embrace of those things. It wasn't just a theological, that they could do a better job on a theology test 
two years, you know, down the road than they would when you first got there. Yeah, you, you know, that's, but that can be a measurable thing. Bible knowledge can be measurable thing. A walking in the fear of God, uh, that people are fighting their sin harder than they were, yeah. that people are more determined to obey God than they were before. Here's, here's a really common conversation I have with, and, and the, the conversation starts the same way just about every time. A pastor will call me, and he will tell me he's discouraged, and then he starts to rattle off the reasons he discour- he's discouraged. And he'll say, some people left, or there's not as many people coming. Uh, our finances are strapped, which, by the way, matters for a pastor. Because, of course it does. Uh, because it affects potentially what he's paid and how he supports his family and all those kinds of things. But it starts out the same. It's uh, There's not as many people coming. Some have left mad over different things. There's the money is less now than it was, and that's bringing an extra stress. The building's falling down around, like we talked, and we haven't baptized anybody yet. You yeah. know, I've been here for five years, years or right. I've been here four right, years. Right, 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 right. So those four B's again, it's interesting how it revolves around that. Yep. And as I have this conversation and I handle it just about the same way every time is I'm, I'm sympathetic to know that that's, that's hard, that those are tangible things you want to see going better. But then I'll ask, Hey, can you tell me the name? You mentioned a couple of names of people who you see genuine spiritual growth in them, and why, and how that's happening. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody in your church like that? And of course, they they can tell you who that is. Yeah. You know, well, so and so, and you know they they responding to the word well. So and so responding to my discipleship of them. You know this this guy's caring for his family better than he was before. They start rattling off all these. It's like, think spiritual fruit. Think evidences of grace that God is, that the Spirit's at work in your church. I have yet to talk to a pastor who looks at me and goes, actually, there's nothing going on here. Like, I can't tell you any spiritual fruit going on. And the, the reality is we get, what they realize in that conversation, many of them, is they find out how consumed they are with the four Bs we talked about mm-hmm. by the measuring stick. And they're not, not only do they, they'll give it, they'll acknowledge these other things, but just maybe don't give so much focus on it. Like when we're talking about it, it's maybe the first time they're even acknowledging it. They don't, Mm. it's like they're wired to not even go to evaluate spiritually what's happening in the church. And so that's where we, that's where we really need to push each other in is to, is to not get so caught up in the numbers, though it's not, they mean nothing. But to really focus on the evidences of grace, to focus on the the spiritual things. So I'll ask you, Jim, as a pastor of thirty plus years, when you look around your church, what are the things you see now that you would say definitely the Lord is at work in our midst from a spiritual standpoint? Right, and that's really what I you know because I can you know, I can look at some of those other matters. You know, I I, I uh, we're not huge by any stretch, but. I'm in, you know, I'm encouraged, I, and we we have had the four Bs, you know, in a sense, and we're God willing, looking forward to doing some baptisms this coming Lord's Day. Those are always, you know, red letter days. Those are just ex- exciting, exciting yeah, sure days. And I don't think, you know, there's a sense in which you don't want to be content without, you know, certainly without conversions. I don't think any pastor who has a heart to do the work of an evangelist is going to want to go years and years without seeing anybody, certainly. you know, genuinely converted. I think that'd be a problem and, 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 if you and, to, don't. And, and to be asking God why, you know, what's going on? Why aren't we seeing this? Um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, when I look out, and because I have been there now, I, this month is my... I preached my first sermon 31 years ago at, at you know in a basement here in Louisville. So thank you. 
But I, I, some of those people that were there 31 years ago are still there. Yeah, that's great. And I look at some of these people who are my heroes. You know, so my my spiritual heroes. I almost have no. I don't have very many preacher heroes anymore. It used to be early on my ministry. It was all the biographies I read, and it was the guys with their dynamic ministries. Those are my heroes. My heroes have become these faithful. So Doris. Doris is, I think, eighty. I don't want to. I don't want to go too high. Doris is over seventy. Um, she raised, you know, some kids. Uh, uh, she's had a heartache in her life. Her husband died a, a couple of year, four years ago. Wow, is it four years ago? Coming up in April, uh, four, maybe five. Uh, but I saw them, you know, when they first came, they were just coming to the church because their daughter was coming to the church. They were coming to support her, help her with the kids and whatnot. But God began to just work in their lives. After her husband died, she was she was tending to him physically. She wasn't at the house of God as much. After he died, she did. She 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 was at everything. She was at prayer meetings. She's at mm. all the worship services. She loves. She serves. She she. Uh, helps you know younger women and and she is such a blessed encouragement she often comes just with tears at the end of a message thank you for the word i love you you know those kinds of things i take that over a million dollars you know Uh, uh, um seeing people from i look out and i preach and i and i'm preaching about the work of christ and saving and i can look at dozens of people that i've baptized over the years yeah and i remember where they were when they first came i remember their unconverted state yeah Uh, I, i i look out and i see the transformed lives of people who were living in gross sin and are have been liberated and i see the blessing of god on their lives and i i'm able to look out at that on any given Lord's Day, and as I'm preaching uh, about a certain truth or a certain theology, I'm able to say, listen, I know this is true, and I want to be careful how I say this. I know this is true because it's in my Bible. I also know it's true because I've experienced it and I've seen it lived out in the lives of yep. God's people. That's good. So I see people, I see people, you know, fighting, you know, uh, Oh, the darkness of depression, or whatever it is, and and but they're clinging to hope in Christ. Yeah. I see people that I know who have been abused and hurt and and crushed by uh, what others have done—a husband who's left. Uh, I know they've got abuse in their background, and I look out and I'm seeing them respond to the word. I got specific people in my mind, you know, in my mind as I say this, and and I, I would, you know, I don't pastor a huge church. I mean, part of the reason I'm able to say this is because. I know every face that's out there. I know who yep. they are. I know their backgrounds. I know their testimonies. I know their stories. Yep. I know their struggles. And I know what the Word has done over decades hmm. uh, in, in, in aiding them. So that's a tremendous yep. blessing that I have. Those are great. I'll throw a couple more, at the, and, and we'll, we'll wrap this episode up. But You mentioned unity a while back. I think... One of the evidences of grace that I've watched through the years are people who didn't like each other, didn't get along, mm. and learned to love each other. Like that—that's a—that's an incredibly m- way to measure God's God at work in your midst. Is when you find you got two people who shouldn't like each other, don't like each other, don't have anything in common, and it's yet your unity in Christ only. 
yeah. that makes compels them to learn how to love each other. And, right. and of course, I mean, it's part of my own story with the way people came after me in the early years. By the time I I stepped down from our church, the most meaningful relationships in our church were some of those longtime older folks who were after me at the beginning, who grew to really love me, and I loved yeah. them. And, I mean, and that I, I personally experienced that. That's the that's the Lord at work. In, Amen. In the midst of that, and and. Only God's spirit. Us just learning to understand each other is not what happens there. Like the spirits at work. Exactly right. That's to, the right. To, What's the explanation for that? that God's spirit is only work. one way to explain it. So that and and I would say the seeing people, just seeing people blossom in their walk with Jesus before your eyes. You see them coming, and one of the ways to measure that are people who come in and say they, you know that that I got to work with that felt called in the ministry and you'd meet them. It's like, yeah, you're not even close to ready for, for ministry when you meet them. Uh, and you mean just have that thought when you see what's, what's going right. on and where they are and to watch God truly have a call on their life Amen. and they yeah. just blossom under the ministry of the local church, not just you as a pastor, but under the local church, you watch them blossom as you just give them opportunities to serve. And so, you know, I, I think what, what we want to s- stress with talking about these just different tangible we would agree the things we've just talked about, I would say, are clear, tangible measuring tools uh, in our churches. I think what pastors need to be pushed to do, and this is what I do as a final word for me, you need to be pushed to truly embrace them as that's mm. what that is. Mm. They are the tools to measure your ministry. Uh, I was never, and there was not a year I was ever satisfied with how many people we baptized. I wanted to see more conversions. I always sure, did. Of course, right. Yeah. I was never satisfied with how much money we had. You know, mm. I, I, like just, I'll just, I mean, that's, if I measured the fruitfulness of my ministry, the impact of my ministry on those things, I would have just been constantly discouraged. Right. So I can recognize these aren't where I want them to be, but they are not the way that God is truly evaluating the fruitfulness of my ministry. My press to pastors listening to this is let spiritual evidences of grace be, call them out, write them in a journal, tangent, share them with somebody else. Right. That this is what I see happening, and I need to be I need to be encouraged by this. Yeah. Final, final yeah. word for you, yeah. Jim. Yeah, so I, you're right. I think Brian. Well, I want to underline that, and then maybe just give one word of encouragement too. But yeah, don't don't as you may be mourning the lack of certain things, and some of those things maybe I understand. Legit, I understand yeah. are going to make you sad. Yeah, that 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 you haven't seen a new face in 15 weeks, and somebody visits and they don't come back. I, I sure. believe me, I understand. You know, sure. Uh, the lack of conversions, the the lack of funds, or you know whatever. Or again, you said the building falling down around you. There's really almost nothing you can do, and and you just you just you don't have you don't have the resources. So yeah, just don't miss don't miss what God is doing. Yeah. Uh, as you think about what what isn't being done, and it's almost like I'm going to use a secular illustration here. But if you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life. That's the really whole point of that is that it's a man who came to realize he had all these marks of what he thought blessing was going to look like. And, and when everything and when his genuine blessings were taken away, he reevaluated his life. And what had been the sources of bothersome grief, that old drafty house or, you know, whatever else became something he, he learned to embrace and love. So nothing changed. You know, he didn't. It, it didn't end that he was richer at the end, or now he got to travel and do all the things he used to want to do. He became a big man, a big name, and a big you know. But he learned to embrace that that God's blessings were right under his nose, uh-huh. and it took a trauma for him to realize that. And I, I think sometimes in our own lives, it may be that we, we're mourning before God, and God is looking at and saying. <laughs> Don't you see how much I'm blessing you're what you're doing? It. You're, you're yeah. missing. You are you are so blessed, 
and you're being used of me in, in, in the lives of these, these people love you and cherish what you're doing uh, in them. And, and uh, no, Time Magazine's not, not going to note when you die. The internet's not going to explode with hashtag bye-bye RIP Brian or, you know, whatever else. They're not? Well, with you yeah. they will, oh. but, you know, <laughs> uh, but not for me. Uh, for you. Uh, yeah. You know, but, you know, but I'm just saying, but but there will be a group of people, a small group who will, you know, th- they will mourn, the, the the faithfulness of a man who gave himself when I when I joined when I started my life at RBC thirty one years ago I was I was contenting myself that I thought okay I may only pastor these eleven other people for the rest of my life I didn't have, I didn't have any thoughts beyond that that's that's all I uh, these are the ones that God had given to me he gave me eleven people to shepherd. Uh, and I thought, if that's all he ever gives me, then that's a lifetime of yeah. ministry there. That's good. Uh, and and I'm, I'm thankful. I think you know God has helped me to to have that contentment, um, even though he's he has multiplied that through the years. So, so let me take a minute and just pray that that God would give pastors uh, a re- help them reevaluate really uh, mm. how to how to measure the fruitfulness of their ministry. Lord, we're grateful for the pastors you've called to their work that they're in, even as. They sit here and listen in this moment. We pray, Lord, you would help realign their evaluation of their ministry and help them to see all the ways you are blessing them in so many different ways. Maybe they have not recognized even to this moment. We pray that your spirit would be at work to open their eyes to see it, and ultimately you would encourage them through it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.